Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with Republicans' epic failure to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. Move on to what a D.C. appeals court said about presidential immunity and follow all of that up with why SCOTUS sidestepped the point of the Colorado ballot case. Let's begin, shall we? Normally, I'd start with something like a clever intro, maybe a few jokes, and lead right into a relevant clip of something someone said. But honestly, I got nothing. Last week has been a futile exercise in idiocracy, and there's just one audio clip that encapsulates the depths of chuckle-headed buffoonery that we have befallen, and it is the interview with the most confident idiot to ever rise to mediocre fame from humble reality TV beginnings. Oh, and she raps too, by the way. Someone called Sukihana. Roll tape. What do, what do you know? That you're a musician. But that's why I'm interviewing you today, so I can get to know you. So I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. What the fuck that mean? Make magic or something? What is musician? I think that's, I think you're confusing that. Yeah, I'm not no musician. I, th- I make music. I make music, I, um, and that's not all I do. I make music, I act. I'm a TV star, too, a young mogul. Uh-huh. I, just really quick, I think you're confusing. I'm music. not confusing nothing, because I, you, you don't know. I, you thought that all I was was a magician, or whatever the fuck you said. See, that's what I think you think I said. No, I said musician, I not what, magician. I don't think, baby, but I don't think. What I, is that? That's ghetto. I don't think. I know. So you, you think. I didn't say magician, Suki. I said musician. And I think you are a musician. No, baby, I do music. So you, just really, just really quick, for the record, could you say you don't think you're a musician? I'm not none of that. But then after that, you just said, I do music. Yeah, I do music. So, in other words, you're a musician. No, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) Honestly, I have listened to that interview way too many times, and it is never not funny. What isn't funny is how much that interview and Sukihana's Power Rangers villain level senselessness sums up basically where everything seems to be right now. And folks, it ain't good. Case in point, the Republicans went ahead with their impeachment vote to stick it to the DHS secretary. And let's say nothing went according to plan. Breaking news from Capitol Hill just moments ago, the House failed to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas by just two votes. It was an embarrassing loss for Speaker Mike Johnson. They needed everybody to fall in line before Republicans voted with Democrats against the measure that accused Alejandro Mayorkas of not enforcing immigration law, among other things. A big defeat after the House Speaker laid out the case against the Biden Cabinet Secretary, accusing him of allowing millions of migrants to cross into the U.S. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 216. The resolution is not adopted. Oh, and to think, Mike Johnson, who is the absolute worst House Speaker since Kevin McCarthy, with his impeachment manager and prehistoric disgrace from Georgia, more on the goblin, working so hard to get Mayorkas impeached, 
they went on Fox Not a News Channel and made up a bunch of shit and then they followed it up with a speedy impeachment inquiry without any evidence because hey, ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, and with a narrow majority in the House, Mikey made sure to count every rep who would be voting so he would know for sure if this impeachment was going to pass. And with all of that, it still failed. Not because Mayorkas deserved to be impeached and Shortstack Johnson didn't have the votes. No, that explanation makes way too much sense. See, The reason Republicans couldn't is because Democrats had a secret reserve of secret Democrats that they happen to call upon who will show up in times like these and thwart the efforts of the GOP, using math, of course. Seriously, here's Professor Johnson and sidekick Mathery the grade schooler to explain. Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, We have a razor-thin margin here, and every vote counts. Sometimes uh, when you're counting votes and people show up when they're not expected to be in the building, it changes the equation. They hid one of their members uh, waiting to the last minute, uh, watching to see our votes, um, trying to throw us off on the numbers that we had versus the numbers they had. So, yeah, that was a strategy at play tonight. (laughs) I can't even with these people. All of that was actually said to reporters because one man, and he isn't even a secret. In fact, he is the House representative for the, were they ever really a great state of Texas? And he's been elected to that position, House representative, since 2005. So somebody obviously has heard of Congressman Al Green, the only congressman who could have possibly known there was just one way to relieve the minds of all the rational members of the House, because when they get that feeling, they need electoral healing. We had expected Democrat Al Green to not appear for this vote, which is why we thought three Republican, they could afford three Republican defections. It appears that Al Green has has showed up and is voting against this, which has changed the math completely. They had expected one more Democrat not to be here, Al Green. Three Three no votes on the Republican side would have been enough to get this through. But because Green has come back, this is now tied 2015, 215 to 215. And that means this vote will fail. How this came about with you rushing from the hospital just after surgery to cast your vote yesterday. And then I went to the emergency room. The x-ray revealed that I needed surgery and I needed it immediately because I had a blockage in my intestines. I had the surgery and I was always going to vote on this piece of legislation. I called Mr. Jeffries mm-hmm. and I explained to him that I intended to make this vote. So I never had any kind of secret plan. I was doing my best to get from a hospital bed over to the floor to cast my vote. That's right, baby. Al Green got that feeling and signed a waiver with his physician so that right after they were finished operating on the man's stomach, he was cleared to take an Uber to the Capitol and arrive on the House floor in a wheelchair, still wearing his hospital gown just so he could cast his vote. Holy forking shirt balls. I don't know how Texans from 
any district had the wherewithal to elect Al Green to the Congress, but I am absolutely glad they did. But don't think the heroic greatness of House Representative Al Green is a deviation from this week in stupid because it isn't. For example, the D.C. Court of Appeals, the highest court you can appeal to other than SCOTUS, came down with the most obvious ruling any court in the history of courting has ever had to make. Breaking news about former President Donald Trump just moments ago, a federal appeals court in Washington, D.C., rejected Mr. Trump's legal claim that the former president is immune from criminal charges for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. The D.C. Circuit Court rejecting former President Trump's argument that presidential immunity should shield him from the federal election subversion case. From today's opinion, they say, quote, for the purpose of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump with all of the defenses of any other criminal defendant. But any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution. The Trump campaign spokesperson says in part that if immunity is not granted to a president, every future president who leaves office will be immediately indicted by the opposing party. They argue that without complete immunity, a president can't do his job. Okay, well, I have a question for you. What in the actual fuck does Donnie Two Scoops think a president's job is? And I know he held the office for four years, but apparently he didn't pay any attention to the job description during all of that time. Because if he had, he wouldn't be saying dumb shit like this. Here's what Donald Trump has been posting. A president of the United States must have full immunity without which it would be impossible for him or her to properly function. Even events that cross the line must fall under total immunity. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. If you ordered SEAL Team 6 to kill a political opponent. I say this, on immunity, very simple. If a president of the United States does not have immunity, He'll be totally ineffective because he won't be able to do anything because it will mean he'll be prosecuted, strongly prosecuted, perhaps, uh, as soon as he leaves office by his by the opposing party. Yeah, yeah, we know you'd love to have total immunity because of the things that you have done. But guess what? It doesn't work that way. Why do you think Nixon resigned and Ford pardoned him right after? Well, I can guarantee you it's not because any president has ever enjoyed total immunity from prosecution for the criminal acts they have committed, which is the exact reason why maggot Republicans in Congress gathered together after the D.C. Court of Appeals announced their ruling on presidential immunity to make this stupid announcement of their own. We are here today to authoritatively express that President Trump did not commit an insurrection. We have 63 co-sponsors to the resolution that Ms. Stefanik and I will be filing today. It's not the job of the states and especially not the job of some bureaucrats in Colorado to make this assessment and interfere with the rights of voters to cast their vote for the candidate of their choice. And anyone that puts the word insurrectionist calls President Trump an insurrectionist and calls any of us an insurrectionist is a liar and you do not deserve the power that you possess. Shame on you. The left is afraid 
And now they are trying again to rig another election by interfering in this political witch hunt. They tried to rig the 2020 election by sending out hundreds of thousands of ballots illegally. They colluded with the government and big tech to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. We know that Democrats would have changed their votes had they been informed about Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> oh no, Granny 37, not Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> you know, it sounds to me like the fear is coming from the teen mom congresswoman from Colorado who had to switch her districts just to keep her seat after getting caught vaping and groping during Beetlejuice. And scaredy cat mad margarine who can't believe she's being called an insurrectionist when she was with the big Lebowski and his head cheerleader during the 2020 election was stolen campaign and even voted to not certify election results because states can't have their rights now, can they? Oh, and let's not forget about 12 head and congressmen under investigation again for sex trafficking an underaged minor, Florida's very own Matt Gates, who has a lot to fear if Candy Orange Douche doesn't make it back to the Oval for round two. This merry band of insurrectionists are freaking out to the point that they held a press conference to announce, yeah, well, whatever, D.C. Court of Appeals, our dear leader didn't do an insurrection. And to explain how this could be even possible considering most of us watched him do it live on national television on January 6th is historically incompetent revisionist Three Toad McGee. You need to tell the truth. Democrats and dishonest people in the media every single day accuse President Trump of waging an insurrection and accuse many of us of waging an insurrection and you're doing nothing but lying and selling the lies of the Democrats all for campaigns and elections. Let me give you guys a little history lesson, okay? When President Trump was inaugurated, Antifa and leftist rioters nearly burned down Washington, D.C. Did you call it an insurrection? No. The American people who pay for elections with their tax dollars care about their elections when they came to Washington and protested. All of you called it an insurrection. And then when Joe Biden was inaugurated and this entire Capitol complex was surrounded with 30,000 National Guard troops, none of you stood there and called that an insurrection. Oh, no. You all stayed silent. Oh, man. You know, that woman yells with the desperation of someone who is about to be indicted or indicted, whatever. And so many lies in such a short amount of time. I bet the QAnon Karen thinks that she's quite clever. Like when she got upset about the dozens of anti-Trump protesters who were arrested a mile from the back end of the obviously small crowd who didn't get burned because there wasn't a fire at Donnie DePen's inauguration. So yeah, protesting at events several miles from said event is clearly not an insurrection. Also, not an insurrection when the replacement for Eric's dad has to have... Not 21,000, but 25,000 National Guardsmen at his inauguration. 
because of the infinite amount of threats to the event from the loser's supporters. So, (laughs) you know what is an actual insurrection? When over 10,000 members of Meal Team 6 storm the gates, go all Call of Duty on police officers trying to stop them, get an estimated 2,000 of the 4th Meal Warriors actually into the Capitol building by breaking windows and cops' heads, just so they can wave Confederate flags through the halls and smear their own shit all over the walls. Not to mention ransacking congressional offices, stealing laptops and documents, cosplaying as congressmen on the House floor. That, my friend, is an insurrection. And it went on for four hours until Schittler lovingly told his dollar store army to go on home. We can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Oh, such love he has for his legion of impotent rage. And why the hell wouldn't he? These are the same schmucks who showed up to his pregame show at the Ellipse. The same assholes who marched to the Capitol after the show and later became insurrectionists and... This is why Jabba the Gut is now facing four federal indictments and 91 criminal charges. But thanks to the D.C. Court of Appeals, he ain't got no presidential immunity. Oh, and let's not forget Mayor McTreason's role in January 6, which is why Colorado removed him from the 2024 ballot. Colorado, along with Maine's Secretary of State, have read the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution And they have correctly concluded that an insurrectionist or the friend of an insurrectionist cannot run for president, even if they previously held the job. Now, for any constitutional purist, this would be a no-brainer. But apparently, SCOTUS's members of the Founding Fathers Literal Constitution Interpretation Club have been having a really hard time literally interpreting the Constitution. For example... SCOTUS held a two-hour-plus hearing on Colorado's ballot case on a live mic session for all the world to hear, and people couldn't believe their ears. And the U.S. Supreme Court is now weighing the arguments made today on whether Colorado has a right to ban former President Trump from the 2024 ballot because of his actions on the day of the January 6th assault on the Capitol. The Supreme Court appears to be favoring Donald Trump. As opposed to being at odds with each other, the justices really seem to be in conversation. And a a key issue that they were really worried about was um, allowing one state to determine the presidential ballot for the entire nation and the precedent that that could set if they let Colorado remove Trump from the ballot. Can the state act like Colorado did and say, I'm looking at Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and Trump is not qualified, or does a state have to wait for there to be a congressional statute, which is part of that Griffin case, and for Congress to say, states, you have the power, and states, here is some guidance? Wow. I expected the three Supremes old drinks with two hands appointed and the other three Republican justices to 
deflect the issue of whether the 14th Amendment prohibits the traffic cone of treason from getting anywhere near the presidential private quarters ever again, but not the total supreme intelligence banding together to avoid the real problem by pivoting to whether or not states have rights. And all of this started with the Kefeffel's ambulance chaser explaining his client's stance on the matter. The Colorado Supreme Court's decision is wrong and should be reversed for numerous independent reasons. The first reason is that President Trump is not covered by Section 3 because the president is not an officer of the United States. The second reason is that Section 3 cannot be used to exclude a presidential candidate from the ballot even if that candidate is disqualified from serving as president under Section 3, because Congress can lift that disability after the candidate is elected, but before he takes office. A state cannot exclude any candidate for federal office from the ballot on account of Section 3, and any state that does so is violating the holding of term limits by altering the Constitution's qualifications for federal office. Oh, so... Let me get this straight. Dinkus Khan's legal strategy is states have rights when it comes to abortion because he made that happen. You know, the Supreme Court outlawing abortion and and also outlawing Lebedequa's existence from reality. But fuck no when it comes to how a state handles their own elections. Because we can't have each individual state overseeing and deciding how to conduct their own elections, even though that's the way it's always been. But before we get too far off the Democratic Republic, Justice Katanji Jackson wanted to get the whole, was this thing an insurrection question out of the way? And here is her exchange with Clown Ligula's D. Average Attorney. The Colorado Supreme Court concluded that the violent attempts of the petitioner supporters to halt the count on January 6th qualified as an insurrection. We never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as insurrection. All right, so why would not this not engage. be an insurrection? What is your argument that it's not? So That's one of many reasons. But for an insurrection, there needs to be an organized, concerted effort to overthrow the government of the United States through violence. And this and so the point is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? No, we didn't concede that it's an effort to overthrow the government either, Justice Jackson. Right? None of these criteria were met. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things. But it did not qualify as insurrection, as that term is used in Section 3. Oh, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. I mean, we can't have this event that was planned months in advance, announced by Dingus Khan himself on the website formerly known as Twitter, that was going to be a wild time. A venue that was booked at the Ellipse, an insurrectionist march from the Capitol, which was perfectly planned for this totally not planned event. And not to mention the calls from, during, and after the pre-insurrection show, the treasonous speakers, as well as the fraud father himself speaking, the audience there screaming, stop the steal, and 
The pastiest Veep refusing to certify the election results of the 2020 election under penalty of being hung, I might add, because attendees of this supposed spontaneous event, totally nonviolent, just so happened to bring enough wood and rope to erect a gallows. But please, tell me again how this was a peaceful protest. Because nothing about January 6th screams well-organized with the express purpose of overthrowing a government violently, except every single thing about that day. But let's get back to the real issue at hand, folks. Not the one Colorado brought with removing Girth Vader from their ballot. No. The real issue here is states' rights. Remember? Here's the Supreme Intelligence Chief John Roberts to explain, along with Justice Beer Kavanaugh and normally level-headed Justice Elena Kagan. I would expect that a goodly number of states will say, uh, whoever the Democratic candidate is, you're off the ballot, and others uh, for the Republican candidate, you're off the ballot, and it'll come down to just a handful of states that are going to decide the presidential election. That's a pretty daunting consequence. What do we do? Do we wait until near the time of uh, uh, counting the ballots and sort of go through which states uh, are valid and which states aren't? Most boldly, I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. Why should a single state have the ability to make this determination, not only for their own citizens, but for the rest of the nation. What about the idea that um, we should think about democracy, think about the right of the people to elect uh, candidates of their choice, uh, of letting the people decide? Because your position has the effect of disenfranchising uh, voters to a significant degree. So, yeah, I think the Supreme Court needs a welfare check. Because they sound broken. This whole, I don't want to rule on whether the former presidents was the Barnum of the attack on January 6th. So instead, we're going to question whether or not a state has rights is sus to the point of stupidity. Because we all know why we're here. So quit pushing this made-up problem, which really sounds like a prediction of how Republicans are going to roll out elections in the future if they don't get what they want right now. And tell us whether or not The 14th Amendment applies to the man who planned, promoted, and executed an insurrection on the Capitol to stop the certification of the 2020 election results. And not for nothing, but this is all happening to protect a burlap sack of moldy gourds who really only excels at one thing, and that is lying. For example, remember last September when this happened? Former President Trump skipping the GOP debate for the second time tonight. He'll be speaking at an event outside Detroit, addressing auto workers, but he's doing it at a non-union auto parts plant. Trump will be speaking to current and former UAW members at Drake Enterprise in Macomb County. The UAW will not be rolling out the welcome mat for him. We also know from our reporting that uh, a union source telling us that they do not consider former President Trump's visit tomorrow in Detroit at Drake Enterprises a show of solidarity with the union because that is not a union shop. However, we know that President Biden was invited directly by the union. I find a pathetic irony that the former president is going to hold a rally 
for union members at a non-union business. <laughs> yeah, that irony was not lost on me either. Unfortunately, neither of us had any idea just how fake that entire stunt really was. Roll tape. He instead went to a non-union auto parts facility. And while his campaign tried to convince people to say that he was there speaking to striking auto workers, or at least he was speaking to auto workers, the problem was that re real reporters actually went to the event. And they realized quickly that this was a facility that doesn't have anybody in a union. And so this was the Detroit News the next day. Quote, one individual in the crowd who held a sign that said union members for Trump acknowledged to a Detroit News reporter that she was not a union member. Another person with a sign that read auto workers for Trump, when asked for an interview, said that he wasn't an auto worker. He's trying to look like he was supporting the union, but he's at a non-union facility that he filled with people who were given signs and effectively told to pretend to be union workers or even to pretend to be auto workers when they were no such thing. He did a fake event. The whole thing was fake. And then it was in the Detroit press the next day that it was fake. <laughs> What I find most hilarious is that this dipshit has the wherewithal to cook the books for his plethora of grift companies. <laughs> but leave it to campaign finance filings to reveal all the truth. So apparently Scooby Coo paid $20,000 to rent a non-union plant and allegedly around 50 bucks per extra to pretend to be auto workers. <laughs> And I know 50 bucks isn't a lot to make believe that you're a maggot for a day, but apparently that's the rate that Trader Orange is willing to pay an actor to attend one of his fake rallies. And I say this going all the way back to that first ride down the gold-plated escalator in 2015. Yes, folks, that was fake, too evidence that the Donald Trump presidential campaign launch seemed to be the first presidential campaign launch in U.S. history where the candidate actually had to pay actors to show up and pretend to be supporters. First of all, CNN had reported on the day of the announcement that weirdly, somebody who appeared to be part of the event was out on the street in front of Trump Tower carnival barking to try to build up the crowd. We had sent a producer to the event, heard people in the VIP section talking about how this supposed crowd of Trump supporters actually included a considerable number of people who were being paid to be there. A Hollywood Reporter actually got its hand on an email sent out by a company called Extra Mile Casting. This is a company that provides extras. It was an email blast sent out to their list of actors. It said, hi there, I'm at a big event happening Tuesday, June 16th. This is an event in support of Donald Trump in an upcoming exciting announcement he'll be making at this event. We're looking to cast people for the event to wear t-shirts and carry signs and help cheer him in support of his announcement. The rate for this event is 50 bucks cash. And that, my friends, is why I say he pays about 50 bucks per actor. And I don't know for a fact whenever Voldemort says a specific number of people attend his rallies, that that's really just the amount of $50 worth of actors he hired to attend that rally. I just know it's true. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. But if that's not enough for you, you can catch me once a week on Facepalm America with host Beowulf Rockland, where we make fun of the news in real time 
on a recorded podcast. And if you want to hear this show again, you can listen on Crowtown Radio every Sunday at 6 p.m. You can also follow This Week Again on social media, wherever you can find us. We are always available for your listening pleasure on places like Spotify, iHeart, Audible, or wherever you can listen to podcasts. We thank you so much for listening to this show and to Dare for Now.